Bring it in. Read option back, getting you ready for week three of NFL action. Don't know why I just went into like an announcer voice there. Uh, excited. Great pod. Uh, as of right now, no veto. Um, haven't heard from him today. I'm assuming he's a busy man. I have a hard out on my recording time today. So I told Vito, hey, if you can hop on, hop on in the middle of it. We will get his picks for the, you know, for the picks every week, just like we always do. Um, but for now, I got my man, Scotty. And uh, and you know what, Scott? I recently, I was going through some old videos of uh, the, the bachelor party we went on last year. And I found the video of my brother-in-law doing the impression of me hosting the pod. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I thought I had it on my uh, camera roll, Jeff. But uh, I guess you did, huh? Maybe. I don't know, but it just made me laugh. Speaking because, of announcer voices, yeah, I'll right. join the podcast talking like this. Welcome. Hunter <laughs> Scott Hansen voice. Um, but it, it made me laugh because I just I just opened in. I said, my guy Scotty's here. And that's literally word for word what uh, what Kenny said. So uh, anyway, sorry. For, sorry for the detour <laughs> there. I just it popped in my mind because I just watched that video. No, I, it's a good detour uh, to, to have taken. And I'm glad we went down that road together. Always, always uh, great slate of games this weekend. Some fun college football games, just like we do every week, picking, talking through every single NFL game. And uh, we will have our five college football picks at the end. Thursday night football tonight as we're recording here, 4 p.m. Uh, also wanted to say. Shout out to one of our uh, longest and most loyal listeners, Ryan Kikaiko, uh, one of our, our close and old friends, a close personal friends of the pod. It is his birthday today. Happy 27th. Oh, happy birthday. To Ryan Kokiko, as the people at Haycock uh, Camp used to. Uh, well, Tyree Kill would say the uh, the Kokahinos. <laughs> the Kokahinos. Um, but we love Ryan. So happy birthday to you, man. Hope you uh, hope you have a fantastic day today, man. <laughs> Uh, should we start? Let's start with Thursday night and then we'll get into some of these games. I said this to you before we hopped on and I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I felt guilty feeling this way, uh, but I'm just, you know, we're honest and very transparent on the pod. Weirdly enough, I have like zero interest in watching this game tonight. And it's like, how like, it's only, it's not even week three yet. And I'm already like, yeah, you know what? I don't really want to watch this game. Like where was Can this? I Two weeks ago when I was like, man, it's so good to have football back. And maybe just because we've been spoiled with two great Thursday night matchups. But with the Browns and everything going on with that organization right now, and I don't feel like watching Mitch Trubisky uh, play more football for the Pittsburgh Steelers, just feels like I just maybe maybe by the time the game comes around, I'll be hyped up for it. But right now, I'm just not I'm not feeling the, the excitement. No, man, I'm with you. Um how do you follow up uh, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes round one? Uh, Brown Steelers in week three. Uh, no, thank you. There's there's also, uh, and as we get through them, you'll see why. There's uh, a, a handful of games on the slate, maybe three or four, that, that are better this week than watching uh, Brown's uh, division rivalry in the AFC North. Uh, and... and especially what's going to be on the field. I, I mean, the quarterback's battle goes from uh, Mahomes Herbert to Bursette Trubisky. I mean, come on. What well, are and we, we had, and we had Stafford <laughs> Allen in week one, you know, we, yeah. just, we had such great two weeks, but 
let's be honest. This has been the history of Thursday night football. The history of Thursday night football is not one that is particularly entertaining. So, um, look, it is, but it is, it's football, right? I'm happy that football's back. That's the, that's the, you know, the short and sweet of it. But, uh, yeah, I just gotta be honest. I mean, the Browns, not a fun team to watch play the Steelers, not a fun team to watch play. No TJ Watt. Um, it's just, you know, there's not a whole lot to yeah. get excited for other than the fact that it's an AFC North matchup and the AFC North is uh, is objectively one of the most fun uh, divisions to watch. So we will see how that plays out. Anyway, the Browns minus four and a half tonight. Um, my first inclination here um, is to go is to lean Pittsburgh. Um, four and a half is, a, is way too many points for this Browns team. Pittsburgh obviously won week one against a much more potent offense. Now, obviously, T.J. Watt made a huge difference in that. Uh, Minkin Fitzpatrick looks like he might be the the best non-defensive lineman um, in the NFL in terms of the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know. I just I, I feel like Mike Tomlin coming off of a loss in a game where they kept it close against another bad offense this is going to be a low-scoring game. The over-under is at 38, and I feel pretty comfortable saying like the under is going to hit in this one. Um, but I don't know. I, I Right now, like I said, I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh. This feels like a game that Mike Tomlin's going to win. And Jacoby Brissett's played pretty well through two weeks, considering what my expectations of, for him were. And I don't see that continuing. I think at some point we're going to see the Jacoby Brissett that was in Miami and the Jacoby Brissett that we saw uh, at the end of his time in Indianapolis as well. Yeah, even Sands, uh, Sands, TJ Watt, this this pass rush is going to be uh, significantly better than anything the Browns have seen so far this season. Uh, that to me means they're going to have to rely on on throwing the ball, uh, which they did a lot better last week. I mean, uh, against the Jets, uh, no less. But look, Jacoby Brissett was no slight uh, slight in that game, uh, getting getting nine uh, nine balls to. Uh, I think uh, on 11 targets to, to Amari Cooper. So got to get him involved. Uh, and obviously Chubb is there to, to establish the run and open up some of those, those play uh, those pass plays down the field. But I don't, I don't know that they're going to have that opportunity against this defense. Um, I think Chubb is going to end up having a good night, but I, the, the secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick roaming back there is a lot scarier to me than, uh, than rookie uh, sauce Gardner. Uh, for for the New York Jets, who did have a good game uh, against the Browns, but still, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has been an absolute monster this year. Jeff, you called it, so uh, we'll see. I think it's I think it's going to be one of those classic AFC North slugfests. I think so too. Uh, I'm leaning Pittsburgh. I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover the uh, the four and a half. Where are you going there, Scotty? I'm going to take Cleveland uh, on the road. I just I, I don't I don't trust Pittsburgh's offense enough right now uh, to to give them the points. Uh, it's a hard place to kick. Uh, so if the game comes down to that that three points uh, to to win the game and and cover, then I, I'm I firmly am out on that. And I I think the Browns have the advantage on on offense uh, at the moment, and they're going to score enough points to cover the spread. All right. Uh, you know Cleveland is zero and one with uh, with Brownie the Elf as the center field logo in Cleveland. We'll see if they can get their first win with uh, that creepy-ass fucking elf there. Um, I made a mistake here at the top of the pod because normally we do talk about Monday Night Football. Uh, and so we're going to take our moment to do that now, especially considering that 
uh, a particular team from the city of brotherly love looked pretty fucking good on Monday night football. Um, Washington is hosting Philly this week. Philly's a six and a half point favorite. Uh, and then we'll do the, uh, the Buffalo game after this, so that way we can, you know, cover both of the Monday night games. Um, Philly, I think is a problem, dude. And I, and I don't mean that as a, as a biased Philadelphia fan. Um, we were texting the day after the game. And I think we both, uh, you, you were playing devil's advocate, which I appreciated. You were bringing up, you know, the other, some of the other viewpoints. I was on cloud nine day, you know, victory Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right. And I agree with you in that. And a lot of the stuff you were saying is that this team still has a lot more, has a lot more growth in them. Um, which I think when you, when you look this good in week two, I mean, think about Buffalo, right? Like Buffalo has been this good for a few years now. So it makes sense that coming in the core of that team still there. Josh Allen basically picked off where he or, uh, picked up where he left off in the playoffs and continued that role, which is why their two and zero start is not that surprising. Philly's two and zero start is I don't want to say it's surprising considering you know Detroit going into it, but Detroit looks like a pretty frisky team. Uh, and then Minnesota after what they did the Green Bay Week One, I was I was concerned going into that game. I thought it would be a close game. I took Philly. Uh, I, I, nervously, I took Philly, but there's growth left in this team. And yeah, I think that's honestly, I think that's scarier, right? Right. If, if, if Jalen Hurts looked as good as he did, I mean, I've been watching Jalen Hurts play football for about seven years now, right? And that I mean, was just college, right? I mean, four years in college, three years at Alabama, a year at Oklahoma. Now, this is his third season in the NFL. I, I have never seen him throw the football like that. And there was a lot of talk in Philly in the offseason about, you know, he worked on his mechanics. He lost some weight to, and and not in a sense of like, you know, slimmed down a ton, but he did it to help his quarterback mechanics, to help his arm strength. And instead of being so strong in his base, which he's still incredibly strong in his base, he transitioned a lot of that, um, became more plyometric, right, to use our, our term Ooh, from TB12. Good word. Thank you. Um, to increase his arm strength. And the deep strike, obviously, the play that everybody saw to Quez Watkins, I mean, he was he threw that from the fifty from from the fifty yard line, a little bit in front of the fifty yard line. That was a fifty three yard strike. He was seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. That was almost a sixty yard throw that came out pretty effortlessly. That was on a yeah. rope, uh, and that throw. Look, Quez was wide open. He made a great read, pulled the trigger, touchdown, awesome. That wasn't the most impressive throws of the night. It was the throws over the middle that when you when you look at it from the all 22 film that's been circulating on. I mean, he was throwing into tight windows over the middle of the field. You know, yeah, there were throws where Devontae, who had a great game and A.J. Brown, who had a great game, you know, just ran great routes. Same thing with Goddard. And he was able to get it to him. But it, there were some tight window throws there. And then obviously the two touchdown runs were what make him so dangerous when when, you know, Jalen Hurts is throwing for 330 yards at an 85% completion percentage with his ability to run and the weapons that are on that offense and the offensive line. I don't know how you stop this offense. Yeah. Uh, well, you get to the second half. That's how, and this is what I was saying to, to you guys uh, in our text message, a little peek behind the curtain here. Look, I don't want to upset the good people of Philadelphia, love them to death. Great people, great fans. But my, my question is, and it's not to question Jalen hurts, uh, or his ability or his, his growth this year, all of that's valid and true. But what I'm question is, did they really look good? They had zero second half points 
They've got seven total on the year through two games. They rank 15th in the league on the season, as well as in week two and second half time of possession at 54%, but they're near the bottom of the league uh, in, in scoring in, in the second half. It's not like they moved the ball that well either in the second half. Uh, they had the block field goal, punt, interception, and punt in the second half in that order and 119 total yards. Um, that said, if if you can clean that up and, and play four quarters, like you play the first two, uh, you're right, Jeff, that is dangerous. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I, I want to pump the brakes too. A, a great secondary, a really good defense that gets after the passer. But A, you were playing Kirk Cousins. And B, you had three takeaways in the red zone. Well, two of them were in the red zone. One was just three outside on, of it. Three on the, on the Eagles' side of the field. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Look, I get it. If one of those hits Pater, that that ball to Justin Jefferson that Slay acrobatically intercepted in the end zone, if that turns out to be a touchdown, this is a whole different ball game. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I mean, just I want to pump Smith the brakes. Or, yeah. The the Irv Smith drop too was part of it. Yeah. And, and and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, right? Because that's what I led into this. You know, talking about the Eagle saying is that there this team has growth. I yeah. think I think that environment in Philly got so. I mean, the veto was there, which is part of why, you know, again, and hopefully he'll, he'll hop on here at some point during this pod. Um, from from what we're saying, the link was going apeshit like the, the link was going off. Yeah, it looked nuts. And the, the touchdown pass was the, the deep one to Quez completely tore the roof off the place. And then the the long the 24 yard touchdown run from Hertz did had the exact same effect. Um, the blocked field goal in the second half isn't on the offense. Right, that, it's a special teams. Nor, nor was the the interception. Largely and the interception was a hundred percent on 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 Kenny Gainwell. I mean, yeah. Jalen Hurts to to perfectly throw that little touch pass over four guys running at him, and the screen was set up. That was about to be a thirty yard gain minimum for for Gainwell. Um, and Gainwell's been struggling catching the football. I mean, look, they still got a a, a kick block. They still had the interception. Um, but the point is, is that this is a young team who they look this good and the strides and, that Jalen Hurts has taken. And we've seen in two weeks, it's the decisiveness, right? Um, yes. Jalen Hurts has had has held on to the ball longer than any other quarterback in the NFL since he's been a starter. Um, the fact that he is now in the top 10 in the NFL and that he's also the number one rated passer through two weeks in the NFL, which is uh, insane to think about. And again, this is two weeks in, which is, why like the second half stats and even some of the early stats from Jalen that look really good from both sides, you know, we have to expect regression or in, in the case of the second half points progression, right? We have to expect those right. things to get better in the second half. We have to expect the really, really good stuff. I'm not saying Jalen's going to throw for 333 yards and at an 85% clip every single game all year, but it's the, it's the little things which to me signify significant growth in Jalen as a passer and his ability to see the field, which I re I remember, um, and I'm not going to dox the guy who told me this, but one of my former hosts who grades prospects coming out of high school, in college, and into the draft, knows college football as well as anybody, going into Jalen Hurts' season, it was actually it was like week two of Jalen Hurts' season at Oklahoma, uh, this guy told me, he said, Jalen Hurts is the biggest fraud in college football. And not as a person, not as a bad guy, but as a in terms of statistics. And that was based off of the offense that he was running at Oklahoma, how easy everything was running a modernized version of, the, of a triple off option offense. But instead of running it with extra pitch guys, you know, Army, Army, Navy style, 
it was done through the air. And he always had better receivers. He always had better talent around him. And it was easy. And talking to him when the Eagles drafted him and when he was a starter, it was the same thing. And I've heard the same things about Jalen Frederick. You can't see the field. He's too quick to, to pull the ball and run. And you're just not seeing that this year. And then he's using the legs as a compliment. You know, when he's blitzed, I mean, some of the, th- I mean, the throw that got called back, I forget which penalty it was, where he's rolling to his left and threw like a 40 yard strike to Quez, who kept both feet in bounds and the play got called back. I mean, like he was making elite level throws, not just good throws, elite level yeah. throws. And he was doing it all night against a good defense who just did a really good job of shutting down Aaron Rodgers the week before. So, I don't know how you stop this offense. I and the second half, the offense looked good, but they looked complacent after a really, really hot start. And that's going to happen with young teams. The ebbs and flows of young teams, that's going to be a part of it. The defensive side of the ball, I'm with you 100%. People saying, oh, this was the best game that Jonathan Gannon's ever called, blah, blah, blah. No, Gannon's still a problem. His soft shell, soft cover to defense, and the shit you, that he yeah. does, you know, <laughs> it. it and part of it of that is by design, right? Because they do make stops in the red zone. They did it all last year and it fudged a lot of the numbers. But if it happens enough, it's no longer just, you know, an anomaly. It's no longer, it's not just a trend. It's like, this is what they do. Um, the pass rush is concerning to me. W- really only one legitimate sack so far this season. Josh Sweat had one in, in uh, garbage time. I think it was the last play of the game on Monday night. Fletch had the strip sack. On, on a big third down in the fourth, early in the fourth quarter. Um, that's the only legitimate sack they've had this year. Uh, and, and there's problems. I mean, Irv Smith dropping that ball. I mean, that's a touchdown if Irv Smith doesn't drop that ball. So they've gotten lucky, no question. And I'm with you. Pump the brakes in terms of the people saying, oh, this is a Super Bowl team. But saying that this is one of the best teams and arguably one of the best offenses in the NFL, not one of the best teams in the NFL, but one of the best offenses, I think is true. Yeah. And I think they'll get, I think they'll get better. I think they'll get better. And as an Eagles fan, and that's me again, like a couple days to process going back and watching more tape and watching more stuff on them. I'm really, really impressed with what Jalen hurts has done. And that was the key. And what's terrifying is if Jalen shows this kind of consistency, if we don't, if we get to like week seven and all of a sudden he reverts back to what he used to be and he's tucking the ball and running and doing all that shit, then we can talk about, then I'll be concerned. Right. But if he does this and shows this level of consistency, just getting the ball out, staying in rhythm, all that stuff that he did so well through the first two weeks, this team has two first round picks next year. Yikes. People said (laughs) you have that ammo to trade up and go get a quarterback. If Jalen's not the guy. Well, so far through two games, albeit it's only two games, but so far it looks like Jalen's making a really strong case to be the guy. So, uh, yeah. So as an Eagles fan, I'm on cloud nine. But as an objective football observer, I see the concerns um, or at least not concerns, but they're just like, hey, like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit here. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, but yeah, Eagles look good. All right. Let's talk about Eagles, Washington. Eagles six and a half point favorite on the road. Uh, that number opened up at four and a half has climbed up to six and a half. Makes sense after what we saw on Monday night. Uh, it's a little bit worrisome. To see that line go all the way up to six and a half, they're actually favored by more points than Buffalo is against Miami. Um, both are uh, away favorites, visiting favorites here. Um, I have no idea what to expect out of Carson Wentz, which has been a big part of his whole career. The commanders have looked really good at some moments. The wide receiver room has looked fantastic. Uh, I think they're going to 
have some trouble with this Eagles secondary. James Bradbury and, and Darius Slay have been fantastic so far this year. Uh, Avante Maddox out of the slot. So I feel like the Eagles would be pretty comfortable there. Uh, and the one thing I've noticed too is in Washington, despite having some good pieces on the defensive line, this is not a good defense. And Jack Del Rio, I think, is going to try to blitz Jalen. And if they get home, it'll work. But against this offensive line and a mobile quarterback, if they don't get to him, then Jalen gonna, is going to hurt him. So I think the Eagles score a lot of points in this game. Uh, it's just a matter of does Carson Wentz have a revenge game in him? Uh, also, did you see in the same week, the Eagles have Carson Wentz coming back to are, are playing against the Eagles. Uh, and there's been all these quotes about Carson Wentz talking about his time there and how much he appreciated the city and all that stuff. And then Ben Simmons goes on JJ Reddick's podcast and is saying the same oh, thing. No. Like the two most controversial and frustrating players in the city of Philadelphia over the last four or five years, both on, uh, you know, having public comments about their old team in the city of Philadelphia within that's, like two days of each other. That's because Philadelphia fans will drop the hammer on you, but I'm sorry to tell you, Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz, they don't care about you anymore. They don't. They've moved on. You don't think? Just No. I, you don't I think, think Carson Wentz is going to have a little bit extra in him as a competitor? I, oh no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that to make those comments and and praise Philadelphia, they don't care about you anymore. Oh, just it's move 100%, along. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's just that's PR stuff. Yeah, but I, I, and but don't but you're you think right. that there's I, I something think he has true? a little like, bit. Yeah, like a little a bit of extra juice. If you're in this, I mean, who knows if Ben Simmons is an actual competitor or not? But with Carson Wentz, I will say this: the dude. Busts his ass. He does a lot of stupid shit, but he busts his ass. The the difference is for for a guy like Carson Wentz, when he gets juice like that, he's going to get overramped, and that's when he makes mistakes. Yeah, and I think for I think there's going to be a lot of people similar to the Seattle thing that you know a lot of players on that team that are still there. You know, I I think the Eagles players did a really good job of never. And Chris Long's talked about it a bunch too. He's like, I never had a problem with Carson. He's like, I I was I was thought he was fine. You know. Um, and I'm curious if whether the rest of the team has that same level of apathy or whether it's going to be like a, no, let's go fuck this dude up. I feel like you know? Fletcher Cox wants to rip his head off. Just, oh, yeah. But that's his baseline. So, yeah. And the <laughs> Eagles look a lot different than what they did before. And this is another reason to love Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was asked five questions in the press conference yesterday regarding Carson Wentz, and he did not acknowledge. I mean, he, an- he answered, but he did not acknowledge the question. Each one was a complete non-answer, which is I, I'm not focused on that. We're not focused on that. That doesn't matter. I just fucking love. I love Jalen Hurts, fucking man rocket. Um, I feel like six and a half is a lot, but I also feel like there's a chance the Eagles come in and, and just put up forty points. Because I I don't I, know who wa- yeah. I don't know how Washington stops this this team. But if the Commanders continue to, I mean Carson Wentz is second in the league in passing yards. He's also uh, second in the league in turnovers. But he's second in the league in passing yards. So, you know, at least they can move the ball. Yeah. Um, so the the reason I I ended up taking Washington last week was uh, I, I believe I provided the example that uh, the the receivers were able to spread out enough, uh, uh, and the common denominator was the Detroit Lions defense. The receivers were able to spread out enough. And Wentz would be able to find one of those guys wandering in the secondary. You're not going to get that opportunity against this secondary of Philadelphia, right? And and despite the fact that you have Curtis Samuel, who's playing well, uh, although he got rocked in, in the touchdown catch that he had last week, um, and Jahan Dotson, who is getting better and better week by week, and then Terry McLaurin leading the pack, um, 
I just don't see how, unless Antonio Gibson has like close to a hundred yards receiving, I don't see how this offense is potent enough to, to beat that defense. And then the Eagles or the uh, Washington defense, I, I think is absolutely trash. Uh, especially when Chase Young isn't on the field, and he's definitely not going to be there this game. Uh, he's still a couple weeks away, so I, a touchdown to me is is uh, fair. I get it. It's a it's a a road uh, division game. Uh, Washington's not a, an easy place to play, but a touchdown is at least where I would be at. So I, yeah, hundred yeah. percent on on the Eagles this week. I'm also going to take Philly. Um... Wash, you know, FedEx Field gets taken. I've been to FedEx Field for an Eagles Washington game, and when I was there, it was 50 50 Eagles fans, Washington fans. It's not, yeah, it's not surprising. And, Anyone and, who lives down here knows that it's it's a weird uh combination of of Eagles, Giants, uh, it's all the NFC East, Eagles, Giants, yeah, anywhere uh, on the Cowboys, Cowboys um, are all over the place, anywhere yeah. on the 95 corridor, if they play Baltimore, like anyone. That's mm-hmm. that stadium just gets taken over. It just it that's just what happens. Um, I'm with you. And and the other thing too, you're talking about the wide receivers in the secondary. Avante Maddox. I mean, the interception he had coming off of a bad game where he got torched by Amon Ross St. Brown and, and a couple guys on Detroit came back. And I I think he had the best game I've ever seen him play as an Eagle. I think he's one of the best nickelbacks, if not the best nickelback in the NFL. He's better than the band. <laughs> But who is I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> um, the interception he had was phenomenal. Unbelievable catch. Yeah. Um, and he tackled. He was all over the field. You know, you had Bradbury on Jahan Dotson. You got uh, Darius Slay on Terry McLaurin. In two games against Darius Slay last year, Terry McLaurin caught, I think, one pass. So uh, I, I like that matchup for, for Slay. And then Avante going up against Curtis Samuel. It's one of the few secondaries that actually line up against a really, really good wide receiver room. And I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. Uh, I think they'll put up some points, but I like the Eagles by at least two touchdowns this week. So we're both going to take Mm. the Eagles. Um, This is the first three weeks and I've taken Philly all three weeks. They're one and one against the spread. Thanks to that backdoor cover. Um, They should be two and oh, but Hey, we will, we will take it. Um, Let's do Buffalo and Miami here, which I think is probably the best game of the one o'clock window. Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this because it's the first true litmus test for the dolphins. Um, it's also right now, there are five undefeated teams left in the NFL, Kansas city, Buffalo, Philly, Miami, and the New York football giants, two of them, Buffalo and Miami play this week. So that will all automatically get dropped down to four. Again, we said this on Tuesday show. Can't remember the last time we had this few undefeated teams left after uh, two weeks, but yeah, that, I think if that's a sign of what the NFL looks like this year, that says a lot about the competitive balance in, in the NFL right now, which is fantastic for football fans. Um, Buffalo's five and a half point favorite on the road. I I understand why people are high on Miami. We did our whole Tua rant and my whole Tua thing on, on Tuesday pod, so I'm not going to rehash it. Um, nothing against Tua. Tua's very talented. Um, all these guys are talented if you're playing the NFL, but I, I do think he's an average to above average starting quarterback. I don't think he's good enough to win you games, and this is going to be a game that he has to win you himself uh, because this Bills defensive line is really good, and Miami has not been tested on the offensive line yet this year. Um, you know, Baltimore does not have a great pass rush. Uh, who did they play week one? Uh, New England? New England. New yeah. England doesn't have a great pass rush. 
Buffalo has maybe the best pass rush in football. Um, the secondary is probably the one weakness of Buffalo. So there is an advantage towards Miami there, but Miami's Dolph- uh, the Dolphins defense gave up, you know, almost 30 points in the first half to Baltimore last week. And Buffalo is a much better offense than them. And I mean, Buffalo punted for the first time all season in the third quarter of Monday night football this past week against Tennessee and the punt got muffed and Buffalo recovered it. So which they, yeah. they have not successfully punted the ball away and meaning that the other team has gotten it once this year uh, when the starters were on the field. So they also benched all their starters after the third quarter start of the fourth quarter. Case Keenum was playing quarterback for the Buffalo bills. Uh, I think this line is way too low. I think this is, and in fact, I'll, I know we say prop bets, but like this is my, Stone Cold lead pipe freaking lock of the week. Buffalo is going to annihilate Miami. And I would put I, I would put as much money as you feel comfortable on that bet. Um, because Buffalo is going to put up a shitload of points. And there's is, nothing Miami's going to be able to do to stop it. Isn't it wild that Buffalo has hit two overs and they've only given up 10 points this That's or an, 17 points true? this season? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> That's one of the craziest <laughs> stats I've ever heard. Isn't that wild? They've given uh, up 10 points of, of, of offense. Uh, yeah. Cause they yeah. gave up seven. How much didn't, didn't, um, no, didn't Derek Henry scored 10? a touchdown. Yeah. The Rams had 10. Yeah. I said, so seven, I, I oh, 17, it was 17, 17. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Um, but still like they've given up 17 points of total off of total, uh, points. And they've they've hit the over twice. That's hit crazy. both overs. It's wild. Um, look, so five and a the half. over is gonna be is gonna be in play here. You're saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, thousand percent with these two offenses. But um, look, the five and a half seems seems really low. I agree with you. Uh, but Miami's Miami's frisky, man. I think you have no idea what their defense is. But this is the game where you tell Tua, hey, revert back to what you were doing. Just you know, drop back three step, hold the ball for like three seconds, load up the target, get the ball out, let the speed uh, kill uh, uh, after the catch, right? And I think that's where they find success, and that's how you can beat this Buffalo defense. Uh, if if the pass rush improves even marginally for for Miami, I think they have a shot uh, because their their running game is Josh Allen right now. Um, and beyond that, you know, if you, if you let Stefan go get his, um, uh, who knows about Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis this week, because he was a late scratch. I think he got scratched on Saturday with the injury. So he's questionable for this game, but I think that's how you beat Buffalo, um, is, is the, the little, the little short game stuff. And everybody knows in golf, that's, uh, that's how you succeed. This is going to be stupid, but I'm going to take Miami. Wow. I mean, look, I, I, I get it. I just before I start betting on Miami to look like they did in week two, I need to see more. Right? It, it's very like it's the same logic that you applied to the Eagles, just reversed. Instead of the first yeah. half, it's the second half, right? Like I, I'm what you were doing with Phil, and like, look, I get it too with the weapons that they have. I mean, this could be a shootout. This could be a, a one possession game, and. We've seen crazy backdoor covers already this year, um, in, in, at least in the NFL. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if if somehow Miami does do it. I just need to see them do it consistently. And if they were playing, I, yeah. if they were playing any other team that wasn't the Buffalo Bills, 
I would probably be more inclined. It's just I, well, what did, I can't bet against this Buffalo Bills. What did I text? I texted you and Vito when we were uh, in the middle of the Monday night game. And all I said like four words. I was like, oh, no, a three. I said, Buffalo is good. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. The Bills are good at football. <laughs> yeah. And but you know what? I'm going to play the numbers here. Two is now eight and three and one uh, after last week against the spread. Uh, eight, three, and one against the spread is as Edison underdog in his career. So I'm going to play the numbers and, and take Miami too. All right. Uh, let's move on now uh, to another team that played on Monday night. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders going to Tennessee. Uh, the Raiders are a two point favorite against the Titans. Um, I think both of these teams might stink. Uh, I have a hard time believing, however, that after an embarrassing loss, that followed a heartbreaking loss uh, in week one, that Tennessee is going to start this season. Oh, and three. I, I don't believe in Las Vegas. One of the strengths of this Tennessee team is the secondary and having Bayard back there is going to be really important in terms of covering guys like Waller covering uh, obviously Devonte Adams being the primary guy. Uh, and they have a pretty decent pass rush. I also don't think that, the Raiders are going to be able to stop the run whatsoever. Now there's, there is a world where, you know, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones just decided to destroy the world. And Tannehill turns the ball over three times and the Raiders win by two touchdowns. Um, But at Tennessee, it's a home underdog right now. I'm leaning towards the Titans at uh, right now. The Titans are a two point underdog at home. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's at home, I'm going to take the Titans. Um, I, I don't think that the, the Titans are very good, like, at all. Traylon Burks is questionable this week. He's probably going to be uh, end up being their best receiver. Um, but they have not been able to throw the ball effectively at all this year. Uh, Derrick Henry has been quiet through two games despite the touchdown last week. Uh, and this – you're right, Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones could have a big game uh, stopping the run. Uh and I think you can let Henry get his and and still um, still be able to to stop this team pretty effectively. Um, no, you know what? I talked myself out of it. I'm going to go with the Raiders because they have too many weapons uh, on offense uh, to uh, to lose this game. Um, yeah, I think I, Devontae Adams is is going to do his thing. Uh, and if he doesn't, Darren Waller will. We saw that last week against Arizona, who's a better, uh, well, not a better defense, but uh, w- wasn't able to cover uh, Darren Waller, but was able to cover Devontae Adams somehow. So I'm going to go with Vegas. All right. Uh, next up, Houston at Chicago, one of two uh, kind of toilet bowl type games what? here. <laughs> um, right now, the Bears are minus two and a half point favorites. Uh, I believe that's coming just being the home dog. The Texans play some good defense, man. And I got to say, I think the Texans are going to win this one outright. Um, I don't just like them against the spread. I I like them to to go out and win this game. And part of that being, it's clear that Eberflus and the offense in Chicago doesn't trust Justin Fields to go out and make plays. I mean, he threw the ball 11 times. Threw the ball nine times total before the final drive. So for the, you know, which was garbage time anyway against Green Bay last week. So nine times through almost four quarters of play, even 11 times through four quarters of play, shows a significant lack of trust. And I think you can learn a lot about the way a coaching staff 
views their quarterback, not just in the short term, but in the long term, based off of what they trust him to do uh, and and how they feel about him internally. And we saw the same thing for years when Brian Flores was in charge of the Miami Dolphins with the way that they used to and, and the amount of times they tried to bury him but get behind Fitzpatrick and, and what they allowed him to do. And they don't trust Justin Fields. And this Texans defense has been good. Like, not just pretty good. They've been good, good. They went up against Matt Ryan, who objectively hasn't looked great. I get it. But tie have that crazy tie in week one. And then they go up against Russell Wilson last week. And a, a Denver offense that has weapons on it and has a good running game. The one thing for the Bears is if, if the Bears are able to run the football, then I think the Bears should win this game because I have a hard time believing that you know, Davis Mills is going to put up enough points, but I, I really like this Texans defense. They freaking fight hard. It's frustrating going, you know, tying that game when they probably should have won it in week one and then arguably should have, if not could have won that game last week um, against Denver. So I'm going to take the Texans outright. And then my, I'm also going to add here too my, um, my uh, prop bet pick of the week is going to be the under here. Right now, the over-under set at 40 points. I don't see uh, both of these teams getting over uh, 20 points or one of these teams getting 30, whatever. I don't see this being a high-scoring game. So I'm going to take the under 40 points here as my prop bet pick of uh, the week, and I'm taking the Texans to win outright. Yeah, this is the battle for uh, one of the top two, maybe three draft picks, I think, again. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Houston's offense is frisky and and – we saw Chicago, uh, besides their secondary, their young secondary, the best part of their defense is the weather. Uh, so I, I think that uh, uh, um, the Bears have scored 17 points in two weeks. Now, I get it. Yeah. The first game was that slot fest, but still. And how about Justin Fields coming out and saying uh, to to the fans, like, you don't do the work we do, so I don't care. What no, you say. It, the quote the quote was um, – that Sorry, they I'm... no no you're good because that that did get circulated but he essentially said we care more about the team than the fans do because we are here every day and put in the work i'll knock it off we put Which, in the work to watch I... you and support you get out of here no go I'm, go texans i just i disagree with you on that um <laughs> i th i think that's a totally valid reason and in fact i kind of love my quarterback saying that oh i shouldn't say love i appreciate the earnestness of it uh, I would, if Jalen Hurts came out and said that, I would defend it because I love Jalen. Um, wouldn't, not going to say I would love it, but I, I will say that, you know, uh, objectively speaking, like I get where he's coming from. I think, I think it's a fair argument at least. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, we're the, the ones you, th we're you throw 19 times all year. Get out of here. That's not his fault. If it was up to Justin Fields, I think he would have thrown it a lot more. Um, and one of those times Houston. he was past the line of scrimmage. All right. So you're on Houston. I'm on Houston. Yes, sir. Uh, let's go next up. Kansas City at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this is it's weird to say, but this is a must win game for Indianapolis already. Uh, if they start off the year going 0 2 and 1 with losses to Jacksonville and uh, tied to Houston, that's a really, really rough start to the season. Uh, Kansas City, a five and a half point favorite on the road, a lot of home, a lot of home underdogs this week. Um, I really tried when I was going through and prepping for the pod to talk myself into Indy covering the spread. I just don't see a world where that happens. No. Um, I, I just, I think this chief's offense is too good. I think Mahomes is too good. The pass rush for Indianapolis has been disappointing. They do not have a good secondary at all. Their best player is Darius Leonard, who 
um, might be a matchup problem for like Kelsey, but for the most, but I'll still take Kelsey in that matchup, despite how good Darius Leonard is. So I, I really like Kansas city here. I think five and a half seems like a low line considering how good I think this should be at least a touchdown, um, which you don't see a ton, but I, the, the one saving grace. And if you're going to make the case for Indy is I don't know how many more games Frank Reich has left on the leash. And I think that team likes Frank Reich. I think the, the people in that locker room like Frank Reich and Matt Ryan. I, I believe that Matt Ryan still has juice left in him. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is hopefully going to be back this week. I don't think he's been officially cleared, but hopefully should be back, which will help. But other than that, I mean, the Chiefs can stop you in the run. They can pressure you. Uh, and if Matt Ryan's under pressure against the an offensive line that's been underwhelming too, I think that's hard to overcome. So I'm going to take Kansas City here, and I think they're going to win pretty big. Yeah, one of the big questions we had with, or I had at least with Kansas City, was their was their pass rush. I mean, they have Chris Jones, but who else was going to step up? Carl Frank Clark good. coming in. Yeah, yeah, Frank Clark coming in uh, from from Seattle. Carl Loftus has been unbelievable as a rookie. The first too. two games, he's been awesome. as a rookie. Uh, yeah, and, and and the young secondary too. I think was a question signing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, signing uh, uh, Justin Reed or getting Justin Reed rather um was was huge and he's played well as well i, I don't see a world where where uh indianapolis could win this game um unless it's one of those games that mahomes just looks you know has an off day and this is the 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 game where he throws two of his four interceptions on the entire year um and and and, and completely falls apart but i think they're going to be able to run all over them with both pacheco and clyde Edwards lair uh, I think even if Kelsey has a down game, you're going to get a big game from one of those three wide receivers. Uh, it could be a breakout for Sky Moore, so watch out for that. I've, I've mm-hmm. been on holding on him in, in fantasy football, um, and and, it, and it, he's due, and I think this is a good game for him to do it. Um, and whether it's him or, or Juju or uh, or MVS, uh, but I think I think um, this would be a good spot to get to get Sky Moore involved. So I, I am, I'm with you. I don't see a way that this, the dynamic Chiefs offense. Uh, unless they make a ton of mistakes, will will uh, will not come out the victor in this one. All right, on the same page there. Uh, next up, we have the Lions going on the road to Minnesota. Classic case of a team coming off of a big win. We know how much that win meant to the Lions. Uh, clearly, an organization that that needed it. It feels almost like a, a college program that had a big win. Uh, and then is coming into uh, a game. And then on the other side, a Minnesota team that just got embarrassed on the road um, and, and not just in a way that was like, oh, this team was just flat out better than you. In a way that they just got flat out outplayed for the talent that they had in their team and made a lot of really dumb mistakes. So I feel like Minnesota is going to come back and, and and play really, really strong in this game. But they're a six-point favorite at home against Detroit and my my gut feeling with this Detroit team is that they're going to find a way to keep every single game close because that's what they do under Dan Campbell. Even if Minnesota comes out and, and goes up 14, this Lions team isn't going away. The Lions can run the ball. I mean, they're the number one rushing offense in football right now. Uh, the Lions are a good, good football team. Um, and six points, I get it's in Minnesota. I get it's an NFC North divisional game, all that stuff. Six points seems way too many. I love the idea, at the very least, a backdoor cover where all of a sudden it's fourth quarter. We haven't seen this game on red zone for, you know, for for 30 minutes. And then next thing you know, 
Scott Hansen goes, oh, look at this little bit of late action. The Lions here in scoring position, and DeAndre Swift breaks off like a 20-yard run. So I'm going to take the Lions to cover the six, uh, unless you can talk me out of it with a, with a Minnesota pick. No, there's a reason that uh, Minnesota, with Kirk Cousins under the helm, has been relatively hovering mm-hmm. around 500. Uh, it's because after a terrible or a good win, they have a terrible loss like they did the last two weeks. And now I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, and, and have a good win. Great football analysis, I know, but Justin Jefferson's going to run circles around that secondary uh, yeah. after after a down week that he had um, against the Philadelphia secondary. And for the reasons that I outlined in week one and two, why the Eagles receivers in week one were going to do it and why the Washington Commanders receivers were going to do it in week two. Uh, so I, I think he's due for a huge game. Uh, Thielen is one to watch out for too. They got to get Dalvin more involved though, especially in the passing game. Uh, because that was that was the talk of camp was that he was he was catching the ball more out of the backfield and they haven't used him that way. And they tried against they, Philly and Philly didn't it, let it yeah, happen. Exactly. So when you get the opportunities, you have to do it. And uh, and the Lions are a good way to do that because what they showed last week, their pass rush is is uh, is for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that Minnesota's offense is going to have a bounce back game uh, against Detroit at home in the division. Uh, I like the Vikings here. That was my one concern. Uh, picking Detroit here is I do think obviously Justin Jefferson's a bad matchup for pretty much everyone not named Darius Slay. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just a, it was an uncharacteristically uncharacter. Wow. I can talk uncharacteristically um, poor performance from Justin Jefferson uh, who seemed to get a couple of bad, call- you know, not bad calls, but he didn't get a couple calls on, you know, some PI stuff, some holding stuff that he thought happened. Uh, which is the visiting team you're just not going to get. And so I feel like, you know, everyone's gassing him up all year. He comes into the game against Philly. I'm going to go out and torch these guys all over the place. And then he gets met with one of the best corners in the NFL and says, hey, you know, you're you're not that guy, pal. Um, Against Detroit, he is that guy. Uh, And and that is definitely a concern. So I do think there's a chance Minnesota comes out and, and plays well. But this Lions team, man, they're really, really good up front. You give Jared Goff enough time, he can make plays. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is just – and we saw just how bad Minnesota's secondary looked against um, the Philly uh, wide receivers. And we all – I mean, and the, the same thing can be said in week one. I mean, Christian Watson ab- absolutely destroyed Patrick Peterson on a couple of routes, not just the deep one that he dropped, and that's a rookie. And now you're putting in – DJ Shark, who's a really competent, solid wide receiver, and then Amon Ross St. Brown, who, as of this point, is one of has statistically in the way through two weeks, is one of the best wide receivers in football, um, and seems to just be getting better and better. So I, I feel like this is going to be a high scoring game over or under at fifty one and a half. This was the other potential prop bet that I was kicking around because I think uh, I think this is going to be a high scoring game, but uh, we will see. All right, next up, Baltimore at New England. Baltimore, this is another home dog here. Baltimore is a three-point favorite going up against the Pats. Uh, it was announced today Jason Pierre-Paul is uh, signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Not sure if oh, that's be... a That's a very Ravens signing. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Uh, and they can they can definitely use just a couple, you know, because he'll, he'll be in that veteran role. He'll, he'll play 20 snaps a game. Uh, this should be Baltimore all the way. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what Belichick does, the game plan against Lamar. But Lamar wasn't the problem in that game against Miami. I mean, he, even in the second half, like there was a couple of mistakes there. He, he threw the ball. Vito was telling us, right, he threw the ball in that deep 
Uh, it was like fourth. I know it was like third and and like five, and uh, there was two minutes and ten seconds left on the clock. And uh, instead of kind of checking it down and getting the ball down to the the two minute warning, he took a shot, and it didn't pay off. And I think Lamar has a, a you know no one would characterize Lamar as a gunslinger, but as a passer, he does have that kind of mentality of like he's going to try to make plays when plays are there. It's a heat check his, too. Yeah, the, the way that he's been throwing the ball this year. Yeah. And whether that's with his feet or his legs, Lamar is a playmaker. So when he sees the opportunity to make a play, he's going to take it. And sometimes that's not always the smartest thing to do. Um, But look, the Patriots don't have the offense to keep up with Baltimore. Um, And I don't think they have the personnel on defense to hang. Uh, I will say, I think we probably underestimated the Pats and just how good they were going to be on defense, um, considering how well they managed the, the Buffalo wide receivers in week one. But that also was like a bad uh, or at least a mediocre to a game. So I like Baltimore minus three on the road. I, I There's a lot of home dogs and home dogs traditionally in the NFL typically uh, cover more often than not. But I don't see uh, three points here being enough for ba- uh, New England to cover. So I'm going to take Baltimore on the road minus three. I'm with you. They're not going to be able to run the ball. They certainly haven't proven that they are able to to throw the ball effectively. New England, that is. And Jacoby Myers is banged up. That's been one of the better receivers that that uh, Mac Jones has, has had at his disposal this season. Uh, they say if you have three offensive coordinators, you don't have any. Uh, and that, that has not been more true than than ever this year. Do they say uh, that? Is that a common expression? Yeah, yeah. You haven't uh, you haven't heard? No, uh, no. I don't think oh. I've ever heard that one. Well, get amongst it. Uh, yeah, three offensive coordinators. You got none, and uh, and that's what the uh, the Patriots are rocking. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Lamar's just going to keep. I, and and it's it's a it's a week where you're like, hey, shake him off. Like you, there's no way you should have been losing that game. That wasn't on you. Young secondary, uh, blowing some coverages on the back end. Uh, late in the game against the Dolphins. So uh, they'll figure it out. And, you know, JPP is going to help up front. Uh, Owe has has been quiet so far this year. Uh, I expect him to break out at some point because he's just that talented. Um, and that's not biased. That's a, that's a fact. Uh, and, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Three is three to me is way too low. I gave you that look when you when you said the line, and I was like, yeah. no way. It's got it's got to be way higher than that. Um, so, yeah. yeah, Ravens for me. All right, we're both on Baltimore. Two more games in the 1 o'clock window, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, Cincinnati at the Jets. Cincinnati's a six-point favorite against the Jets coming off of their electric uh, win here. This is another one of those home dogs. Um, I don't love betting against Joe Burrow, uh, especially considering two bad games in a row. This is the first time that they're not going to have one of the two best pass rushers in football going up against them like they did against T.J. Watt and they did against um, Micah Parsons in weeks one and week two. Uh, but the Jets still have a pretty good defensive line. They have a solid defensive mun- uh, unit altogether that I think um, might cause the Bengals some problems. But at the same time, I could see a big Cincinnati breakout game. Uh, and remember here, too, Cincinnati lost to the New York Jets last year. Uh, and I feel like knowing Joe Burrow, this is weirdly enough, the Jets are going to be one of the games that's circled on his schedule to go out and show out and blow and ball out. The other reason here why I'm hesitant to take the Jets is it's another week of Joe Flacco. And does Flacco have enough um, in the tank after coming off a big performance, throwing 60 passes week one, throwing another 40 passes last week? Um, does he have enough left in the tank to go out and, and show out and, and 
win another game or at least keep another game close. I will say the Jets have some dudes on offense now, which is something we have not said for a while. Michael Carter is a really, really good running back. Garrett Wilson is a really good wide receiver. Elijah Moore has made a ton of plays. Um, they have some dudes, man. And Corey Davis, I mean, that's Corey a Davis, really, yeah. <laughs> it's a really solid group of three receivers. Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, and Elijah Mitchell. There's plays to be had there. And uh, and I think the Jets have at least have a chance to keep this close. I'm pretty split on here. So I'll let you make your pick first. Um, and then I'll give mine. Because honestly, I'm not sure which way I'm leaning. Uh, and this has been one of the more tougher games because there's good arguments on both sides. Yeah. Um, Especially I with a six-point spread. Yeah, defensively, I think the Jets are good in the secondary. Um, I, I think they're really good, and uh, th- I think the the weak point is going to be. And if you if you're looking for an offensive explosion, um, <clears throat> that isn't Jamar Chase or T Higgins. I'd look to Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to have a really big game. He's been all over the field lately for the Bengals. Um, and if it comes down to it, and I think it will, uh, being a being a close game. Uh, that it's it's going to come down to a play here or there where where Hayden Hurst uh, is is valuable uh, in moving the ball or moving the chains. That said, um, I really I really think that the the offense is of, of the Jets is better than we think, even with Joe Flacco. Um, <clears throat> that that Bengals defense has not impressed me uh, at all. Uh, they didn't during the for the most part during the stretch run last year. Uh, on the way to the Super Bowl uh, and in it. Um, and so, I don't know. The, the, the Bengals are, are, don't, they haven't played well in New York. I think they're like one, one five and, and one in their last seven games uh, in New York. Uh, granted, a lot of those haven't been with Joe Burrow, but still, uh, I'm, I, this is a, another one where I'm going to play the numbers. I think it's the Jets. If it does go Bengals, I still think it's close, uh, though, and it's a it's a, a game winning kick by uh, Money Mac, uh, not uh, not necessarily a, a touchdown to to win it. Yeah, but I'm going to go with the Jets on this one again. Two weeks in a row, I've picked the Jets against yeah. the spread. What the hell is wrong? with Well, me? I was just going to say, two weeks in a row, I I don't think I can pick the Jets two weeks in a row. Um, yeah. Coming off the big emotional win, I'm worried about Flacco. <laughs> the one thing that Cincinnati has shown defensively is I do think they have some good pass rushers there. Trey Hendrickson is really solid. Um, I think Jesse Bates, after missing, you know, one of their all pro or at least pro bowl um, defensive backs, he plays safety. You know, he's missed a lot. Uh, He missed all the training camp with the contract dispute. So he's still kind of getting his sea legs and, uh, and and look, Eli Apple is, is just God awful, but I do think Cincinnati does enough. And this one too, I think this is the, everyone in Cincinnati take a deep breath game. I think this is the game where the Bengals yeah. come out. Jamar well, Chase runs didn't all Burrow over. Say that in, in as much as uh, as uh, Aaron Rodgers like he was yeah. like just sit tight or something. Yeah, uh, and, and yeah, uh, I think and, I do think they win the game. I, I just think it's going to be close. And if Jamar Chase is getting put up against Sauce Gardner, I mean Sauce, who also got banged up last week, um, I'm taking Jamar Chase ten times out of ten. T Higgins has had a quiet start to the year. Joe Mixon's had a quiet start to the year. I think they break out against the Jets. I'm going to take the Bengals, even though I'm, I hate the fact that I'm going against the home dogs. I just I don't think philosophically I can bet on the Jets two weeks in a row, especially no. given the nature of how they won that game. So No, I'm that's right. I'm not tonight. liking my card so far. <laughs> I got Miami over Buffalo, Buffalo and, and, the, and Jets. the Jets. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you're a bold, bolder man than I, Scotty. Uh, all right, and that gives us one more 1 o'clock game, the New Orleans Saints 
going to Carolina, another home underdog. The Panthers 0-2, Saints 1-1. The Saints are a a 2.5-point favorite on the road. Uh, Man, I want to take Carolina really bad. They've been in every single game to the end. It's seemingly going back to the start of Matt Rule's time in, in Carolina. Like they've just they they hang around games similarly to Detroit. And I love Baker. Um, the Saints got up for that game against Tampa Bay. I feel like they might leave a little bit in the tank here. And remember too, remember Carolina last year, like went to Arizona and and stunned the the Cardinals when the Cardinals were like eight and zero or eight and one. You know, I, I just feel like the Panthers have that in them. It's really – and the Panthers are better than an 0-3 team. I, I don't trust the Saints. I don't trust Jameis to go this long looking this competent despite the interceptions last week. He did still look relatively comp, uh, competent. I think Christian McCaffrey is a tough matchup for the Saints team. I know DeMario Davis is a stud at linebacker, but, you know, with no safety help uh, in that secondary, they have Tyron Matthew. so I guess you could just go Tyron Matthew on C-Mac the whole time. But then you're opening up other things. Um, Baker shown flashes. Uh, enough to keep them in both of the games that they played. I, I'm not a huge believer in the Saints through two weeks because they just always play Tampa Bay so tight and so tough. That offense did not look good um, and has not looked good. I mean, Atlanta was beating them, and and I don't think Atlanta's that great of a football team either. I think Carolina gets it done, and it's at home, the home underdog thing. Uh, again, traditionally, like I've picked only one home underdog so far. It's been Tennessee, and yet Philly – is a or sorry, Washington's a home dog. Miami's a home dog. Minnesota's uh, sorry, uh, New England's a home dog. The Jets are a home dog. The uh, Cardinals, a couple other teams we'll get to in a little bit are all home dogs. So I'm going to take the home dog here. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers. Oh, this is tough. Um, is Alvin Kamara back? Uh, I do not know if that is confirmed or not. Let me check the most recent thing. Yeah, because if he is, that makes a huge difference. Uh, look, I'm not I'm not sold on the defense either, uh, but I trust uh, Jameis a little bit more to to get the ball to Michael Thomas or or even Olave uh, down the stretch or Kamara if he's healthy than I do Baker to get it to uh, to Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore uh, if if Christian McCaffrey's covered up. As of today, Kamara and Winston Jameis are both listed as questionable. Uh, oh, yeah, he's Mc- got the back thing, huh? McCaffrey, McCaffrey's also listed as questionable. Yeah, look, I, I just think at the at the end of the day, uh, Jameis, for, for all the decision-making flaws he had at the end of the game, uh, that was a really tough defense, a really tough secondary uh, in particular that he was up against last week in Tampa Bay. That's probably the weak point of this Carolina point, uh, Carolina Panthers defense. Uh, JC Horn's banged up too, as well. Um, so I expect there to be uh, to be open guys uh, somewhere in the secondary. The pass rush is probably going to get home a little bit more during this game uh, for Carolina. But if, if if it comes down to a couple of plays, uh, and even if that's just to get in the field goal range. Uh, I trust Jameis to do that, and and I'm going to take New Orleans here on the road. You're taking New Orleans. I'm taking Carolina. All right. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, but before we do that, football is finally back. And a quick word from our friends at Alliance Accounting. 
While you spend your week researching for your fantasy team, assembling your feast for tailgates and watching four straight days of football, you can binge watch football every week with the assurance that Alliance Accounting will have your back when it comes to all of your tax needs. Prep your waiver wire ads while Alliance preps your personal tax forms. Check the grill at your tailgate while Alliance checks for all the available tax deductions and credit scores to score your maximum possible refund. Review and submit your fantasy lineups while Alliance accurately and thoroughly reviews your tax return and files it for you. Record all the great football and memories you can while Alliance records your business and personal finances with their trusted bookkeeping services. The team at Alliance Accounting is here for you so that you can be there for your team. Don't wait. Contact Alliance today before the October filing extension deadline on October 17th. That's week six, folks. Mark that in your calendars. And you can visit Alliance Accounting today online at allianceaccounting.com. That's allianceaccountng.com. Or check out their Instagram page at alliance underscore accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. All right, quick break. We will come back. We have uh, five more games in the NFL and five college games for you. So 10 more picks to get you ready for week four in college football, week three in the NFL, and we'll get you on the way to your weekend. Four o'clock window in uh, the NFL. We got four games in the four o'clock window. Sunday night football, we have the Reed Option Bowl, the Vito Miller Bowl uh, between the Niners and Broncos. And then we have uh, a Monday night game, but nobody cares about that because no one wants to watch either of those teams on a primetime matchup. But we'll get to there eventually. Starting off, the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a blowout win of the Colts. Go to the Chargers in Los Angeles. The Chargers are a seven-point favorite. And my immediate gut reaction here, Scotty, was that Seven points seems too high considering how good Jacksonville looked last week. However, Hmm. we still don't know how good Jacksonville is Um, or if Indianapolis is that bad or if it's just that weird Colts-Jacksonville rivalry. I mean, for all we know, the Jags could still end up being like a four-win team this year, uh, and they're going to have their hands full going up not only against Justin Herbert and a great offense and a really good defense and a good scheming head coach and and, – God, why am I blanking on his name? Head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. Um, but they also got an additional three days of prep. And I think they watched that Jacksonville team. And they watched Trevor Lawrence on Sunday and went, all right, boys, we might be in for a little bit more than we thought. However, seven points is a lot. So my gut still wants me to take Jacksonville. But going out to the West Coast, playing a Chargers team with so much talent, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, who did who did the Jags play Carson Wentz week one and, and gave up a shitload of passing yards? I don't think that secondary in Jacksonville is all that good. And they're going to have arguably a top five quarterback in the NFL uh, going up against them uh, in Justin Herbert. Uh, only question, I guess, for the Chargers here is the status of one Keenan Allen. Um, however, Herbert was still able to throw the ball pretty well. Uh, Keenan Allen listed as questionable, as well as uh, their starting tight end, um, Donald Parnum. Oh, and Justin Herbert also listed as questionable as of yesterday. J.C. Jackson out. So that's four pretty – that's four starters for the Chargers who are all listed as questionable. 
three of which are arguably three of their most important players in Herbert Allen and JC Jackson uh, yet to make his chargers debut. Um, if for whatever reason, Herbert's not hundred percent, but he still gives it a go with no Keenan Allen and maybe no um, uh, JC Jackson as well. I think this line is way too high. So I would, my, my suggestion to our listeners would be wait until Sunday or Saturday to place your bet on this game. Now, because we pick our games now, we don't have that luxury. At least our <clears> bets <throat> might replicate that. But uh, in terms of our picks on the pods here, I'm going to gamble and say that I think the Chargers do have all their guys out there. Uh, and I think coming off of a big, big win like that for as good as the Jags front four looked against uh, Indianapolis last week, this is a really, really good Chargers offensive line. Uh, one that they've invested in Zion Johnson out of Boston college has, <laughs> until they got uh, until they got Herbert hitting the ribs. Well, I mean, you know, some that's, <laughs> I mean, that's going to happen even, you know, I'm not going to, it was a free blitzer. It wasn't like it was, you know, you know, Chris Jones coming untouched or whatever, blowing by, uh, you know, a, a, the center. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the chargers here to cover the seven. I don't love it. Uh, Cause I do think Jacksonville is a good team. I do think Jacksonville very, well, could end up covering the spread, especially if a J, even if just JC Jackson and Keenan Allen don't play. I think Jacksonville is more likely to cover, but for now, I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, big bounce back game after a hard fought win or a hard fought loss against the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday Night Football last week. Yeah, we all saw what Jacksonville's defense did against a dynamic running back who can run really well and catch really well in Jonathan Taylor last week. And again, not sure if that was the 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 rivalry thing or, or or the dominance that the that Jacksonville has over the Colts or whatever. But whatever way you slice it, Jonathan Taylor's still a good back, and they should have been able to do a lot more with him um, out of the backfield. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of that is uh, is possible to happen to a guy like Austin Eckler on the on the Chargers. So uh, if they can shut him down, Keenan Allen's not out. Now we're talking big problems because uh, with Justin Herbert not one hundred percent. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to wind up and throw the ball uh, as deep and as as with with as much zip as he usually does. Uh, Mike Williams torched that secondary for the Chiefs, which is a pretty decent secondary. Classic Mike gonna... Williams, by the way, right? Yeah, have, have an unbelievable week two after a week one where I didn't even notice that you were on the field. That dude, I think it's crazy how consistently inconsistent he's been his entire career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. Um, and so much talent. And I mean, he was one of my favorite guys to watch play at uh, Clemson during the early Dabo runs. But wow. Yeah. And he's the the big thing with him is that he's he's big bodied. So it's not going to be Keenan Allen over the middle where. Um, oh, what's the uh, the the linebacker who played really well? The rookie out of Utah. Um, oh, Devin Lloyd. Yeah. Devin Lloyd, who had a great game last week. Uh, you're not going to be. You're not going to be throwing the ball over the middle that much. You're going to be able to to you're going to need to stay on the outside. So um, remember how much I talked up Devin Lloyd, by the way. Yeah, and I just want to throw yeah. that out. He's yeah, he been he's been game. amazing through two weeks, wearing the green dot for the Jags. He's been a fucking stud. And yeah. uh, not to toot my own horn there, but sometimes you got to take your victories where you can get them. Yeah, but I think the problem with uh, with the the Jacksonville offense so far has been Travis Etienne. Uh, he's in there when he needs to be because they they're in in necessary passing downs. James Robinson has been the better back yep. uh, in, in that backfield, and uh, if if they're going to need to pass the ball, and I think they will, uh, just given the score uh, with ATN back there uh, as as the the passing option, uh, I think 
I think they're going to be in trouble, uh, even with uh, the, some of the injury concerns on the uh, on the Chargers. So I'm going to take the Chargers at home. Uh, for our listeners, as Jeff said, if you want to hedge your bet uh, and wait for for some of this injury stuff to clear up, uh, I would go ahead. And this is not my prop bet, but this is just a suggestion. I would go ahead and take the over. It's five and zero in the last uh, five meetings uh, between the Jaguars and the Chargers. So is this going to be go your, is your this going to be your lock? Is this going to be your prop bet lock? No, that's not my prop at lot. Not all at right. all. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just suggesting that if you are not high on the Chargers and you want to take Jacksonville against the spread, head your bet with the over uh, in this game, just based on the numbers. I am going to take the Chargers in this game against the spread, though. I will say, especially if J.C. Jackson doesn't play, Christian Kirk, as the featured guy, has been really, really good. Um, and Doug's found a lot of different ways to use I, him. Yeah. Um, and, and I know but I don't think a- they're going to have enough time to get the ball deep to him. No, that's, and, that's my and, and I get that, but they've used them not just as a deep ball guy like he exclusively was basically in Arizona. You know, the they use him in, in a lot of pre-snap motion. He's he's become a really, really good player, um, getting a lot more opportunity and a lot more, you know, as the number one, which look, when you when you jump from the number two or the number three option to the number one option on a team, like, yeah, of course, your targets are gonna go up, your catches are gonna go up, your numbers are gonna go up. It all makes sense. Um, but he's made the most of it so far, so far through two weeks. I think he has three touchdowns already on the season. Uh, Christian Kirk has looked good for the Jaguars. And I will say this in regards to the running backs for Jacksonville, Dougie P is going to find a way to put multiple running backs in the game. He's always, he's always, he did that in Philly. Um, and we've seen it so far this year. So anyone who thought ETN, and that's why he was a bit of a stay away from me in fantasy, people were really high on ETN and I get it, but Doug's not an every down back kind of guy. James Robinson is a really, really solid running back, and it gives you depth, and they can each kind of specialize in different things while still being able to catch the ball. The, both of them can catch the ball in the backfield. Both of them can run the ball between the tackles. Uh, all right, we have an AFC – or sorry, NFC West matchup. The Los Angeles Rams going to Arizona, another one of these home dogs this week. The Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Cardinals. Now, the Rams get blown out week one, and then they have a strong bounce back in the first half against um, against uh, uh, the Falcons last week, and, and they let them back in the game. Um, we have not seen the Rams put together a complete game yet, and the Cardinals coming off of a big win. Look, I know Kyler looked unbelievable in the second half. I know the scrambling play and all the stuff he did was really, really impressive. I'm not sold on I, – I couldn't <laughs> – I don't trust the Cardinals as a team as much as I could throw them as a collective team. So three and a half on the road, a place that uh, the Rams are not going to be intimidated to go and play in. This is the Rams all day for me. Uh, Minus three and a half, that line seems incredibly low, especially for how good the Rams offense looked uh, against the Falcons last week. I think they just took the gas off the pedal and uh, Atlanta's a frisky team uh, and found their way back in the game. So I'm taking the Rams. You thought Kyler was running around like a chicken with his head cut off against the Vegas pass rush? Imagine what it's going to look like this week against the the LA Rams pass rush. I mean, it, it, this this to me is uh, an abomination of a of a scoring line. Uh, Vegas, get it right. <laughs> well, remember last year the Rams were were heavy favorites against them, and and the Cardinals came out and won. Now, granted, that was when the you know the Cardinals were you know on their way to going eight and zero or whatever they did. But it, it is a divisional yeah. matchup, so I think they're giving a little <laughs> bit of respect there. But I agree with you. I do think it's a, a very very interesting line to say the least and it could get weird look 
I, I just don't see what Arizona has to offer on offense unless – no, because I, I, I don't even think that. I was going to say unless Kyler can start throwing on the run really well. Uh, but even that last week, uh, we, we saw him – it wasn't that great. Like there was the one great catch that, that Marquise Brown had uh, and, and then the two-point conversions. But that and was just to get – You're dealing with Jalen Ramsey yeah, now too, which you didn't have to exactly. deal with before. Exactly. I think this is way higher than three and a half. This is a my lock of the week against the spread. And B, I'm going to throw in my uh, my prop bet here. Uh, cash this one in because this is money in the bank. Cooper Cup now 18 and five uh, on his um, his receiving overs. Um, I'm not even going to look up what it is uh, because he's well over 120 yards each of the of the last two games that he's played. Um I'm not going to look up what it is. I'm going to set it, forget it. Cooper Cup on the over in, in uh, receiving yards. But we do need to know what it is for our for our book. So yeah, sure. We'll, we'll get Zach Parker on that to uh, to get some stats and research, and uh, we'll mark that down. But uh, it is written down, lock for Scotty as well as his uh, his prop bet of the week. All right, next up here we have the Frisky Falcons uh, taking on the. Uh, Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. This line right now is even, even game. We got to pick them here, uh, and I'm picking the Falcons. Falcons have looked too good, too frisky through two weeks. Uh, Seattle, big win against Denver. I, I think that win was all emotion. It seems like Geno has already tapped out from whatever his max potential of this year is. Uh, the Falcons can run the ball. They can throw it. They have multiple young, exciting pass rushers. They have a mobile quarterback. Uh, and the defense, despite giving up a bunch of points, most of those points have been spread out either in the first half or the second half, and they're going up against a team that has virtually no offense. Uh, you know, and, and look, maybe Kenneth Walker the third gets a little bit going. Maybe there's a big play to DK here and there. Um, but this, to me, is Atlanta all day. Uh, I, I feel like Atlanta is the best 0-2 team that I've seen so far this year. Uh, I mean, I guess you could maybe throw the Raiders in that conversation. The Bengals are 0 2, so I'd probably put the Bengals against uh, ahead of them. But uh, for the most part, I do think the Falcons are in that territory because the Falcons should have beaten New Orleans uh, and damn near almost came back and beat the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, I like Atlanta and uh, I'm going with uh, the, the, the Georgia Birds this week. <laughs> yeah, look. Seattle was not able to run the ball at all. And granted, that was against the 49ers in a rivalry game. Uh, but Atlanta's defense is not a slouch up front. They they did a really good job in, in both the games they've played this year up front, uh, particularly, particularly late in the game uh, as well. So if this comes down to it uh, and, and the line is what uh, uh, the game score is at where the line is, and I think it could be, um, I, I, I trust in Young Kui Koo to give me that field goal to win the game. And granted, look, Seattle's a tough place to play, but this isn't a primetime game. This isn't a, a, a big opponent coming in. Um, and then, so I think that the the, uh, the 12s are going to be a little more subdued than uh, on a usual Sunday. So uh, give me Atlanta too. All right. Uh, also note for fans, all these games are at 425, except for the Jacksonville and uh, Chargers game. That is a 405 Eastern time kickoff. Uh, all right. Last of the four o'clock window, and arguably the best, at least the probably the most anticipated, we have the Green Bay Packers traveling to Tampa Bay. The Battle of the Bays, Packers, Bucks. Uh, Tampa Bay is a one point favorite here, so we're basically just going straight up pick them. I, 
I'm going to say it. I'm pretty close to hitting the panic button on Tampa Bay. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but the more I've seen and, and, and the more I've heard things come out about them, the defense is spectacular, but the Brady stuff is just getting out of hand. Um, Something doesn't seem or feel right, which is why remember when we did our preseason picks before week one, they were my team that I'd be surprised. I, I, you know, my team that I thought would have a drop off. And yes, they're sitting here at two and zero, but it's a long season. And it seems, I mean, Brady getting as pissed off as he did in week two against the the Saints. And I know there's a lot of extra shit going on there. Um, no Mike Evans this week. The suspension was upheld. Also, shout out James Thrash. Remember James Thrash? Yes, he was that, a wider. He was he was a skinny yeah. little white wide receiver for the Eagles. Back in the early 2000s, during the early Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb days. That's right, yeah. He, he works for the NFLPA now. Um, Great uh, flex play in fantasy, by the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was involved in the... He's the one who upheld the decision to, to uh, for Mike Evans to continue to be suspended. Uh, no Mike Evans. Julio's banged up. Who knows what we're getting out of him. Russell Gage is banged up. Um, still no tight end. And I, I feel like the Packers are just being undervalued right now. I, I know they didn't look great in week one. And everyone's saying, oh, it's the Bears on Sunday night. What are we going to take away from that game? I think the Packers are good. I, I, I think the defense has underperformed. I think this is a get-right game for the defense and the pack of the Packers. And it's Aaron Rodgers. And if anyone's going to be able to you know, complete passes and do some things against a really good defense, I think it's him. Um, this is another one over-under set at 42. I love the under on this play, uh, uh, on this game. So uh, I love the under play on this game. So uh, I'm going to take Green Bay here to win this one. Plus, I'm getting a point. So if anything weird or wacky were to happen, you're good. But essentially, that would only come into play if there was a tie. So uh, I'm the, taking yeah, I'm taking the pack. That's the only reason I'm with you uh, is because of the one point. If it were if it were two and a half or three, uh, I'd I'd be on Tampa Bay. Well, um, Tampa Bay's favorite. I'm sorry, I'd be on on. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Forget what everything I just said. <laughs> the the uh, the. I'm sorry. I thought Green Bay was favorite on the road. We're we've got so many home underdogs this week. Um, look, I, I'm with you, man. This is uh this is strangely in, in week three seems like a a must win game for both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, right? Uh, it was two and, 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 and which in, is so funny. In different ways, yeah, yeah, right. In different ways for Tom Brady, it's to to right the ship. Um, uh, the proverbial ship, so to speak, for Aaron Rodgers, it's to be like, see, I told you we were good, and I knew that. Uh, you just didn't believe us when we got our ass kicked on uh, on uh, in week one, uh, which tends to happen. And look, credit to them, I love what they did in the in the Sunday night game last week. And I know it was against the Bears, but their commitment to getting the ball in their running backs' hands was was the perfect solution to to settling into that offense for everyone. Look, you got Sammy Watkins, who's new. You've got rookie wide receiver Christian Watson, who's new. You've got Alan Lazard playing in his first game. Uh, all three of those guys, I think, could could be uh, factors throughout the entire season. And Aaron Jones is going to have uh, have to be a, a, a critical factor in this game uh, as well, uh, not just running, but catching the ball out of the backfield as he did uh, Sunday night. David Bakhtiari, should be back, which is the good news for the Packers offensive like line. We, but I feel like we've been saying that for a year now. Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, if he is, I, that's a huge, 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 huge help, uh, especially against this uh, this pass rush uh, uh, for, for the stout Tampa Bay offense. 
money's going Tampa and and one point I'm gonna I'm with you. I'm gonna ride with the with the Packers and, and fade the public. So we are uh completely lined up here for the four o'clock window. We each have the Chargers, Rams, Atlanta, and Green Bay, which means of course all four of those teams will end up not covering the spread. Yeah, this is what we did last week, huh? Yeah. And, and I, we were terrible. And, and, and in the almost, yeah, yeah, we did awful. <laughs> um, all right. Last game Uh-oh. on Sunday, the read option bowl. One of the variations of the read option bowl. We have the Niners, your Niners at Denver. A uh, Right now, San Francisco, one and a half point favorite on the road uh, against the Broncos. I can say this now because Vito's not here and I, and I feel I always feel bad, but I just don't think that I don't think Denver's good. I don't think they're good. I don't think Russell Wilson's good. I don't think the defense is good. I I don't believe in much of the past guys. I mean, Cortland Sutton's great. Judy's hurt. Um, I the only thing about Denver I trust is the running game, and Russ clearly is not about that right now. And I think San Francisco teams obviously they have a ton of tape on what they you know what to do against Jimmy G. But I think this is a time where it's like, hey, you know, Kittle might be back, and you're going to get Debo Samuel, and you're going to get all these guys. They can run the ball. I, I, I'm not a believer in Denver, um, and I, I'm I'm sorry, Vito. Uh, I think this is Niners easy, um, and again, it's a one and a half point spread, so this is virtually a pick 'em. Uh, when you're getting that kind of value, I just I, I like San Francisco a lot in this game. Um, one of the other ones I was considering for a lock. I just I don't believe in this Denver team, and I don't believe in Russell Wilson anymore, and. That's not a knee-jerk reaction after two games in Denver. That is two two full seasons and uh, the first two games in Denver that I'm basing that on. So, um, sorry, Veeds, but I'm taking the Niners. The only problem I can foresee is, well, two. Uh, one, I'll give you a data point. Russell Wilson's record against the spread, uh, including the uh, the – Week one Monday night game is 26, 15, and three. That's pretty damn good. Uh, not only to play in that many primetime games, but to have uh, that high of a record um, <clears throat> against the spread. The other is uh, X's and O's. With Jimmy Garoppolo, we kind of know what the Niners are, right? Um, so it's a little easier to scheme up defensively. Uh, and I think Denver's a much better team defensively than Seattle is. And Seattle's uh, not great, <laughs> put it that way. Um, so I, I think it's close. I, I think the line's right about where it should be, especially on a road uh, primetime game. Denver's a tough place to play. I was really trying to get out there for this game this week, but uh, not going to happen, unfortunately. Um, this this to me is tough. I think... Mm, ah, I can't do it. Niners. <laughs> I'm sorry. We There's too many weapons. Uh, Jerry Judy's banged up for, for, uh, for Denver and... Uh, you know, the secondary for as bad as they looked in week one for the Niners played really, really well uh, against two really good receivers uh, in, in Seattle last week. So um, I, I like that. And I like the pass rush to to be able to get home against this offensive line. Well, that's the thing, man. San, I, I, this is, I think, as much about the San Francisco defense. I believe the Niners offense is just going to look competent. A week of Jimmy G working with the ones, it's going to be refreshing and and running through stuff that they did before. Um, and I think the, the offense will be fine. I don't think it's going to be great or explosive or crazy or anything. Um, Debo also has been really good in primetime games. I expect to see more of that out of him. He's a big, big game so kind, of, kind of player. Yeah, both of those guys. Um, but the Niners defense to me is is the biggest part here because I just 
I just don't believe in the Broncos offensively. Definitely not that offensive line. That offensive line is not good in Denver. Uh, so, oh, excuse me. Oh, been a long Yonaler. day for your boy. Uh, all right, <laughs> last game of the NFL slate. Um, again, oh god, I uh, I'm opting to to watch as little of this game as I possibly can. I will watch it for you, for the people. Just so you is know, is the Manning cast on? Because I, I turn be- that on. <laughs> I believe so. It's a Giants game. Oh so no, he- this is an off week. I think because they're doing no, next week. That would suck though. Cause it's a giants game. I'd be shocked if Eli wasn't on the man and cast for, for a giants game, but maybe they're hmm. not. I don't know. Uh, either way, Cowboys at giants. Ugh, this game sucks. Um, giants are one point favorite. Uh, can who is, who cares? Is that an acceptable answer for this game? Um, I'm just so fucking sick yes. of the Cowboys and giants back to back primetime games. Um, actually, no, Cooper Rush wasn't in a prime. No, yeah, he was He was the prime time, not prime time, but he was the, at least the main CBS game. It's fucking Cooper Rush. Like, what are we doing? Um, weirdly enough, oh, weirdly enough, I am kind of rooting for the Cowboys here because I just, I don't, I don't think the Giants, I don't want the Giants to get off to a hot start. Um, but I do think the Giants are going to win the game. Uh, they're one point favorite. So again, like the last two, essentially pick them. I think the Giants are the better football team. And I think with a backup quarterback, you, you typically get one game where you oversimplify your, your playbook. You pick 15 to 20 really, really good plays. You run that. Uh, one of the things I forgot to mention from my notes on from last weekend was, you know, Dak being out forced everyone else to elevate their level of play. And it's really hard for an entire team to do that multiple weeks in a row. Backups typically get that one big game. I think that's this is where that trend stops for the for the Cowboys. So I'm going to take the Giants. Uh yeah. The only the only thing I have is that they they haven't looked impressive. The Giants, uh, the Giants offense hasn't. Um, you know, Saquon got 72 yards, I believe, in in the game last week against the Panthers. Uh, Panthers defensive front. Uh, and Dallas has a, a, a much better defensive front than than Carolina does. That's, that's true. for sure. Um, and, and so I think they're going to be able to stuff the run. Plus, I mean, that, look what Dallas has done against the offensive lines they played against this year, and better offensive lines than the New York Giants have. So no, I don't know about uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> well, on paper, at least we think uh, we think they'll be okay. Um, but. But look, Dallas is gonna—they're gonna do what they've continued to do: move Micah Parsons around. Uh, he's gonna be a problem as always. Depoy early, calling it, um, and I—I I just think that 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 alone, and, and the way that the defensive line has played, they're not gonna have to ask a whole lot out of Cooper Rush uh, with the Giants' defense. He's also two and zero in his career against the spread, so <laughs> I'm gonna pick Dallas. By the way, you said you know. Defensive player of the year, early pick. One of the people on this pod did pick him to win defensive player of the year. Oh, was early. it you? Mm-hmm. Just oh, saying. How about that? Mm-hmm. I have it. It's, it's here in the notes. I'll, I'll go back and look at it right now. Yes, sir. You had Nick Bosa. We yeah, yeah. had Joey Bosa. I had Micah. Oh, well, we're all, uh, we're all still in it then. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, all right. Let's switch gears. And talk a little bit of college ball. Uh, we have five games. Uh, a a top-heavy week of uh, college picks this week. 
um, our college games this week. A few really, really good games. We have one good game in each window, uh, at least, again, on paper, as you were just alluding to. Um, we're going to start here. Uh, Baylor on the road at Iowa State. Iowa State undefe- undefeated through three games. Baylor loses that really close double overtime game to BYU. Heartbreaker. Um, right now, Iowa State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, giving them the home field advantage. That is basically just a straight-up pick em in the eyes of Vegas. Uh, I'll say this now. Baylor's quarterback, Blake Shapin, I freaking love that kid. Uh, he is just – he's fun to watch, man. Um, baseball player, throws some weird arm slots. Looks like a like a watered down version of Matt Stafford in a lot of ways, but maybe a slightly better athlete. Um, but just in the way his his arm slot and everything, the way he releases the ball, um, Iowa State's looked really impressive, and, and they've shown that they can win games in a couple of different ways. The the slugfest against Iowa a couple of weeks ago um, to finally win the Cyhawk and take that trophy away from the Hawkeyes. Uh, I like Baylor. Yeah, me too. I like them against the spread. They they. I think they were 10 and two coming into the season. And, uh, and even though they're two and one, I think they're two and one against the spread this season so far. Um, but they, they can beat you in a lot of ways. And, uh, and, and that defense is, is always going to be good. And it was good last year. And it's, it's, uh, it's looked good so far this year, despite the one loss. So I'm, I'm with you on on Baylor as well. I think they're just going to roll into Ames and, uh, and start slinging it around a little bit, make it a little big, uh, big 12 game. Uh, when Iowa State's expecting a Big Ten game. Love that. All right, uh, next up, we have Clemson on the road against Wake Forest. The Clemson Tigers are a seven-point favorite on the road. Um, I really want to take Wake Forest here because I like what they've been doing there. I like Sam Hartman. uh, But the defense there is nothing to really write home about. And that means good things for Clemson because it means they're going to be able to run the ball uh, Shipley. The, uh, the running back is back for Clemson, which is huge for them. Uh, and I think it makes it easier on DJ Uyunglele to be able to throw the football around um, and, and at least make him feel a little bit comfortable. The offensive line for Clemson's looked really good through a couple games. Uh, and the defense of Clemson is is not quite on par with Georgia, but pretty damn close. Uh, the, the, the front seven for, uh, for Clemson's insane. I think Wake Forest is going to have trouble blocking. Uh, and I think – it's one of those things where, you know, you look at this, you know, Wake Forest team, they make their living off of explosive offenses. And yes, yeah, Sam Hartman was there all last year, but he missed all the camp with that injury. And to have a big game like this, this early on in their schedule, I think is a bit of a problem. So uh, I like Clemson to cover the seven. Uh, give me Dabo. Give me the Tigers. This is one of those weird ACC games where uh, Wake Forest can roll in and and Sam Hartman and them boys can can upset the apple cart. And uh, you know what? Week four, not a whole lot going on for the most part. I think this is going to be be one of those crazy games. Give me the Deeks. I'm on the Deke train. How about that? All right, the Demon Deacons. I mean, you've been crushing it in college football so far. So uh, seven and three with your picks through two weeks though you missed the first two weeks, or week zero and week one. Um, All right, next up, top 25 matchup. University of Florida, not sure why they're still in the top 25, at Tennessee. Tennessee is a a 10.5-point favorite. That offense at Tennessee is moving. Josh Heupel, fantastic play caller. We know that about him. Uh, Hendon Hooker. He's amazing, man. I mean, outside of Bryce Young, is probably the best quarterback in the SEC, uh, just in terms of talent. 
Um, the defense, not anything, you know, to freak out about. Not one of the better defenses in college football, but a very, very, very explosive offense. Um, and look, I know Florida beat Utah. They haven't looked good since. Um, I forget who they played last week. It was a small school. Damn near lost a game. It was a three-point game. Do you remember who they played, Scotty? No. Um, not important. It was an it was a, a FBS group of five team. Um, that sh- that game shouldn't have been close, and it somehow was. And uh, I just I I like this Tennessee team a lot. And I was telling you before we were recording, I'm really excited for Kentucky and Tennessee because that game happens in, in I think about a month, but that's just two very contradictory styles of football. And I think they're the second and third best teams respectfully uh, in the sec East. Uh, And whenever they get a chance to play, it'll be fun. I like Tennessee here to cover the 10 and a half. I think they win going away. I think this is the disappointment game where people are excited for a top 25 matchup. uh, And instead we just see a really, really big time win from the volunteers. Scotty's on mute. Got me, Scotty? Yeah, we got you now. Sorry. (laughs) Technical difficulties uh, live in the show. Look, uh, I'm with you. This offense for, for Tennessee is dynamic and explosive. Um, but that's a lot of points, man. And and Anthony Richardson's pretty pretty dynamic himself back there for the Gators. Um, and I think the defense is probably just uh, a notch better than Tennessee's been playing this year. Tennessee went in and won a, won a tough game at Pitt, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Florida Gators in this one to cover. I don't think they win, but I think they cover. You know what? You're right. I'm changing my pick. I'm taking the Florida Gators to cover. But I'm with you. I do think Tennessee wins the game. It was one of those that I was on a roll talking about how good Tennessee was, and then I realized, oh, shit, yeah, the line's 10 and a half. I actually meant to take Florida. So retracting uh, <laughs> my my pick, and I'm, I'm going with the Gators. All right. Uh, the game that I'm most excited about this weekend, I think it's going to be the best game in college football. We have the Arkansas Razorbacks going to College Station. Uh, Texas A&M coming off of a hard-fought win over Miami. Two-point favorites for Texas A&M at home over Arkansas. I've been riding the Sam Pittman bus since he got hired. I love Sam Pittman. I love KJ Jefferson. I said for a while, I think they're the the second best team in the SEC West. I think they're going to give Bama some trouble because of how good that offensive line is. Um, And Texas A&M is just not impressive. And um, Haynes King, like great athlete has not been the guy that we thought he was going to be uh, that, you know, going into this season. Obviously, the loss to App State, you know, if you're able to move the ball against this team, which people look at this Arkansas team, they think it's punchy in the mouth and tough nose, you know, whatever. They can score. They can score with some of the best teams in college football. I like Arkansas to win here. Ten, uh, Two-point underdogs on the road. I think they win it outright and obviously cover the spread. So give me the Razorbacks and, uh, and Sam Pickman. Pittman, sorry. I'm with you. We love Arkansas coaches on uh, on this podcast. Sam Pittman, we ride the must bus when the tournament comes around uh, every oh, time. Yeah. So, oh yeah, uh, we're we're big Arkansas coach fans. Uh, but the product on the field uh, and the court sometimes leaves a little to be desired. I do think, though, you're right. I think KJ Jefferson is good enough to move the ball, uh, and, and that's been the struggle for this A&M defense. I just think A&M has too much talent at the end of the day. 
and and look if there's there was ever a a win or uh we're going to start calling for your head for Jimbo Fisher it's this game uh, as 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 bad as that sounds like losing to app state at home now you're down to 23 in the rankings i know a lot of this doesn't mean a whole lot at this point in the season but it's the optics of it right if you lose this game your second loss of the year granted arkansas is in the top 10 I don't think they're a top 10 team at the end of the year. So I'm going to take A&M because this is a game that they absolutely need to win. Uh, and I, I know on the field, they didn't look great against Miami. They weren't able to move the ball. Uh, they didn't look great against App State. They weren't able to move the ball. Uh, and it's low scoring. So, I mean, I, I would honestly take the under uh, because there's going to be a lot of possessions in this game that just don't result in points. But um, but I think A&M has a talent-wise enough to, to, uh, to beat Arkansas. I'm excited. I can't wait for this game. This is a get your popcorn ready to quote uh, our buddy Lane Kiffin. All right. Last up, it's obviously the highly, most highly anticipated game of the college football slate. Uh, it's the game everybody's been waiting for. Um, I think game day was even thinking about going back to App State just for this game two weeks in a row. It is the James Madison University Dukes taking on their first Sunbelt opponent, which happens to be arguably the most electric team in college football with an app state coming off of a hail Mary victory at the last second against Troy. Uh, and also beating Texas A&M the week before two huge wins back to back is setting them up for a disappointment. JMU is only a seven point underdog in their first ever Sunbelt game against a team that received uh, that according to the AP poll would be number 28 in the country. I have to roll. With the James Madison Dukes. What's, what's the line? Is it nine? JMU is plus seven. Oh, seven? A touchdown. Oh, yeah. I'm with you, man. Go Dukies. Go Dukes. Uh, th- that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a hangover for, for App State. That was a tough win uh, against a good Troy team. Uh, that, that App State won on a Hail Mary. Holy mother meatballs, uh, as, the, <laughs> as the, the radio guy said for App State. So, uh, look, man. App State's a good team. They are. That's just fact. But like JMU has a lot to prove too. Rolling into this game is their first Sun Belt game in conference, uh, and you know the emotion of of a, a big conference win for App State, I think, is going to be a little bit subdued uh, here against uh, a really good JMU team who's who's really high uh, high powered offense, uh, really potent. They score a lot of points, uh, and if App State finds themselves behind in this game, and I think they will early, it's going to be tough to come back. Uh, so yeah. I'm with you on JMU. I think JMU's, and, and I'm not, I'm obviously I, I made the pick because I'm a homer, but um, and I have to because it's the first ever Sun Belt games, first ever FBS game um, of consequence, conference game of consequence in the history of of my my university, my my alma mater. So of course I have to ride with JMU in this game. Um, I'll do but, it for you. You picked Penn State last week, so I'll do it for you. JMU. I appreciate I appreciate it. Um, but honestly, I mean Santeo, who is the quarterback for JMU. Played at Colorado State, which is, you know, he, he's used to playing, you know, group of five talent. This isn't going to be some shell-shocked kid. This is a kid who's out there who's incredibly athletic, uh, runs the ball as well as he throws it. Like, he's going to be a problem to try to cover. They have a really solid running game. Um, Thorson, their number one wide receiver, has five touchdown catches through two games. Uh, they, they have a really solid group. And I'll add one other little wrinkle here. Uh, Kirk Signetti, who is the head coach of JMU, his father – is Frank Signetti, uh, who is a legendary college football coach. Uh, he passed away last week. 
So I think there's going to be a little bit of extra juice that's coming in um, for Coach Signetti to back him up, to back his family up. And I think the team's going to come out and come out in a big way to uh, to support the Signetti family going through uh, a really tough time. So uh, I, I will not bet against JMU on the opening week. I'm sure I will have a couple of shekels thrown on this game. Not that I need it to give a shit about how it's going to look, but uh, I'm excited nonetheless. To update everybody on our records after a rough week two, Scotty got by um, by the skin of his teeth, but Scotty but right barely. now, yeah. Scotty sitting in seven and three in college football. Uh, Vito is four and eight in college football. I'm sitting at nine and nine uh, in the NFL. Scotty's a dead even 17 and 17. Vito is 10 and 24. And after my rough week two, only six games under 500, I, which to me, considering how bad my picks were last week is actually not terrible. 14 and 20, giving us our overall ranking. Scotty's in first place with a record of 24 and 20. Yes, sir. In, Nobody uh, accused me of being anything more than mediocre. So there we are. <laughs> Vito's in last place with a record of 14 and 32. He's still clawing his way back from that two and 15 start in the NFL. Uh, and then I'm sitting there in the middle at 23 and 29. Again, six games under 500. It's a long season. I feel really good about my picks as should all of you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Enjoy the week of football. Uh, share the pod. Give it to somebody who hasn't listened. And like I said last week, I know we have some new listeners. So thank you guys for checking us out and being a part of the Read Option family. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday to recap all of the college and NFL football madness. Cannot wait for it. Have a great weekend. May your bets hit. May the beers be cold. May your briskets be perfectly smoked. And we will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take it easy, everybody.